welcome to Healthy Perspectives with Jeremiah, a podcast that brings you current social and cultural issues through a clinical lens. Hello, hello. Welcome back for those of you rejoining us. And for those of you who are brand new, thanks for joining us to begin with. Look, I got a good show for you today, and I want to get right after it. Uh, if if this is your first time visiting, though, I want you to know that your time really matters to me. I do what I can to make sure I don't waste your time. Hang in there. I always take people for a ride. Sometimes it's a great ride. Sometimes you get to the end, and you're like, eh, I probably could have gone on a better ride. But that's okay. However it works out this time, that's what we go with. I'm not about perfection. I'm about growth. Today, I'm going to take on a really tough, tough topic. and. Some of you are going to be left wondering, okay, Jeremiah, what's your opinion though? But I'm not going to get into my opinion uh, in terms of which side of the aisle, but I am absolutely going to address politics from a clinical view. Many of you who follow me regularly now, you realize that I, I don't shy away from tough topics. Uh, that is that is the reality that I, I present to you. I want to address hard topics from a clinical perspective. That being said, you've also heard me say, politics does not supersede culture. It's the other way around. Culture is the top of the hierarchy. And culture is created by you, me, and everybody else within the culture. So let's talk about politics from a clinical view. I am going to play a little game with you today in hopes that this helps it sink in. Uh, What I want you to do is I'm going to propose a theory, a theory of, you know, that's going to cover a great majority of what you see politically. At least that's my hope. Your job is going to be, is going to be provide evidence for or against this theory. Okay. Evidence for or against the theory I'm about to present to you. Now, the theory goes like this. It's a victim game, also known as the drama triangle. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you, those of you who are on Rumble or YouTube, you're going to be able to see this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you a, a board that I've prepped for this moment. And it is the victim triangle or the drama triangle. There was a gentleman named Stephen Cartman back in the 1960s. He created, he was actually, uh, you know, part of the screen, uh, screen actors guild. And so this is another evidence that wisdom can come from anywhere, but this drama triangle or victim triangle, as we're going to call it, he, he was the one who really first sort of invigorated this concept. And so this wisdom that's coming from him, uh, he has since, uh, exact, how do I say it? He has expanded on this concept, as will I to a degree, taking some liberties, some clinical liberties from things that I have learned. As those of you who can see the screen, you'll be going, huh, okay. Well, there's, there's things on here that I may not have seen in any other victim triangle. Sometimes you'll see this thing inverted with the victim at the bottom and the rescue persecutor persecutor at the top. And so it goes. 
But what I'm going to do is I'm going to present this theory, and then I'm going to overlay it with politics. That way you can see why I believe that this theory may answer a lot of our political questions. All right, so let's start with this theory. The victim. We're going to start up at the top, the victim, where it says, a.k.a. scared. That's right. This is the wrong kind of fear. For those of you who follow me, uh, you're going to understand there's two types of fear. There is the fear, uh, which is the respect and reverence of risk, uh, respect and reverence of others. Uh, in other words, environmental factors, things that are beyond our control. We, we need to have some respect and reverence for that. But then there's this second type that is just fear. It's just fear as in like scared, like it stalls you. You have three possible reactions there, fight, flight, or freeze. That's right. For those of you who have been around, you know that what we are trying to do is prevent the fight, flight, freeze reaction. Because once we enter that, it is pure survival. And that is not typically the best way. Now, there are exceptions. If you are truly a victim, then yes, by all means, fight, flight, freeze. Those are survival mechanisms built in, hardwired to your system. But this is the wrong one in this case, because this is the victim game. This is the victim triangle. And I'm going to teach you how to defeat this thing at some point. Now, I don't know if this is happening on the the stream, but there are some moments where it is freezing. If that's happening, my hope is the audio carries on. So I'm going to keep moving along. Uh, I apologize if the screen does freeze. I'm going to leave this up on the screen as I describe it on purpose for those of you who want to see it. It gives you ample time to explore it as we talk. That being said, please don't Just pay attention to this on the screen. Listen to the words and the explanation. It's very, very important. The cure for the victim is boundaries. Now, there's three ways to set boundaries. Now, I'm not talking about the different types of boundaries. I'm talking about the three approaches to boundaries. There's avoid, redirect, or confront. Now, we know that sometimes, which by the way, think about this, fight, flight, freeze. Avoid is to freeze, redirect is to flee, and confront is to fight. That's why there are three when we end up in this particular category and why that is critical. So once we are scared, those are the options. Avoid, redirect, or confront. Sometimes confrontation is our best bet. It gives us the best chance of survival. Sometimes redirection getting the heck out of there or creating a new energy, creating, taking that energy and creating a new pathway. Often what I find is people do it through humor and then avoid, which is just don't move or potentially it could run into the hold on, take out. Yeah. That's a, that's a void too. Right. But we want to take a look at those anyway, there, the cure here, we want to think about certain categories. Physical, emotional, relational, spiritual, moral, stuff like that. We want to take a look at those different categories because this, the concern, the fear comes from one of those major categories typically. Once we can identify it, we don't have to default to being scared. 
So a lot of times the victim can actually stop the victim triangle on their own. They can say, whoa, wait a minute, there's a fear coming from, no, you know what? I've seen this before. And a lot of that is preparations. Okay, so we're going to move on to the rescuer. The rescuer, the AKA hero, savior, or selfishness. Now I want to I want to clarify. Is it important to rescue an actual victim? Sure. If somebody's drowning in the ocean, go help them. I mean, please don't just watch them drown saying, "Oh, they can help themselves." That's ridiculous. If they're drowning, they might need some help. But there's a difference between a victim that is a a a, a victim game player and a victim who is at, at a current um, imminent danger, okay? We often misread those, by the way. That's why this rescuer, one of the nicknames is selfishness. Some people really like to be the savior or the hero, and they want to jump in and just rescue, rescue, rescue. And all they do is they run around looking for people to rescue. Yeah, that's selfish. That is that is completely selfish because what happens is if that's the role they are playing, their default is to make somebody a victim in order to rescue if they can't find a victim of their own. So does it help our world in some ways? Sure, it can but not always. So moving on the cure, humility, boundaries. Think about this. Humility, humility is I may not be able to save this person. That starts from that premise. They are strong enough to save themselves. Look, the default for a rescuer is to assume others are weak so that they can fulfill their role. If we want to counter that, humility is what takes us to they might be strong enough. I I think about this in terms of what we see out there in our culture, and it's going to be things like joining into a group which you have little to no business being in. I am going to jump in to this transgender movement, this racial movement, this political movement, this whatever it is that I know little to nothing about. I am literally just going to ally so that I can look for a place to be a hero or a savior. And then... When that opportunity presents itself, I'm going to pounce on the opportunity, looking for it. And look, if you're a hammer, all you see are nails. That's where it becomes selfish. So the other part is boundaries. Knowing the difference between yourself and others is extremely helpful when it comes to the rescuer role. If where I end and they begin. If I'm jumping into their space before they actually need any assistance, I have really crappy boundaries. I'm not being respectful of them. That's a problem. And rescuers can fall into that role. Let's go on to the next one, the persecutor. 
aka the bully or the villain. Look, we all know that villains are necessary, but here's the thing. Nobody out there has to try to be the villain. We're all mistake ridden, like not necessarily the best, you know, uh, uh, people on the planet. Chances are there's somebody in the room with you who might be better than you in terms of understanding morality or uh, understanding boundaries, understanding emotions or thoughts, understanding a particular vantage point. But the persecutor makes some assumptions. The assumption is I'm bigger, stronger, and better. So I will put you in your place. And they become the villain by role. They look for opportunities to be the aggressor. This is something we routinely see in our culture right now. And it's unfortunate. It's it's sort of that narcissistic pathway that we see. And the cure there is humility. Humility. That is where we say, I am not likely the best, the most capable, most qualified in the room. And that is a hard thing for a persecutor to do because of the assumptions that they make that they are better than, superior, and so on and so on. So I've outlined the theory. I'm going to go ahead and take that off the screen for those of you who are following along there. Now I'm going to overlay this with what we see politically. I'm also, like, let's be real. This isn't to demean politicians, but in reality, this also is something we could overlay with, I don't know, high schoolers? Think about that. High school drama and politics are nearly identical. (laughs) That, sorry about this, I'm on the screen. Something's funny. Okay, well, it's working. Um, That is super interesting to me. There are politicians who are really good. Not going to lie. There are political uh, agendas that are healthy and wonderful. And there are others that are not. As we overlay this victim game, thinking victim, persecutor, and rescuer, with what we see in politics, what we see is the childishness, not the childlike approach. Now, childlike is good. That's that humble that um, relational, that loving, thoughtful, respectful, but not fearful approach to the world. That's a good thing. But childish is using these roles in order to get what they want. And politicians, I believe, play this game on a daily basis. Not all, but most of them. And the really good ones, understand this game. And unfortunately, they use this game because it's so uh, prevalent in their environment that they think they have to, but they don't. There's another way. There's another way I'm going to propose to you, and that is be a drama killer. 
So let's take a look at this. The Democrats attack the Republicans. The Republicans, in turn, play the victim on one side. And then what do they do? They play the persecutor on the other side. So there's really this double-edged sword. On one side, they're like, oh, my gosh, the Democrats are coming to get us. And then on the other side, they're like, and kill, kill, kill those Democrats, evil, evil Democrats. And the Democrats are playing the same stupid game. So then who's the victim? If they're both playing the same game, who's truly the victim? Who's truly the persecutor? Who is truly the rescuer? You have to ask these questions. Because here's what they're saying to you. They are telling you that you are the rescuer because they are the victim. That's what your side, if you have aligned with one side or the other, because it's about divisiveness, they're trying to divide us. They're telling you, choose our side. Oh, those those others, those Republicans, they're coming to get us. Those Democrats, they're coming to get us. We need you. Save the day. It's a dumb game. Don't play the game. Be a drama killer. Learn to love the process of ending the game. And our politicians would then have to take a different approach. What approach would they take? Well, there's some options. They could go to, I don't know, telling you the truth. That would be an option. They could go the other extreme, which is, telling you all the lies and just hoping enough of you believe it. Some of you probably see this because if you're not playing the victim game with them, those are really their best options. And then what do they do? They create extremism. Holy smokes. When you overlay the victim game, you start to see some things you can't unsee. So. What do you do? How do you then approach the victim game? I want to propose to you that there is a solution. Your job is test this theory. Please go test the theory. As you read the stories in the media, as you learn about politics, test the theory. See if it holds up. Tell me where it holds up. Tell me where it doesn't hold up. And do me another favor. As you're going through this process and you're learning this stuff, as you're, as you're thinking about how to be the killer, I want to propose, what if, what if our politics were based off truth, love, forgiveness, Accountability through, this is important, this is the the, the catch-all, through kindness and respect. That doesn't mean, look, some people go to jail. Okay, great. Like, I, I mean, I'm not happy about that. But that doesn't mean you have to be disrespectful in the process. 
right? You escalate only to the level necessary to de-escalate. And then you settle in. What happened? What would happen if our politics lived with some basic morals like I just described? Truth, love, forgiveness, accountability with kindness and gentleness. Would we see something different? Take a look at that and tell me what you think. If nothing else, this victim game is something we see in social science all the time. It's a great little uh, learning tool. I hope it helps you. I appreciate you joining us and giving us your time. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Take a look at the details of our podcast for links to our website and other helpful information.